we're continuing our series today, we've called Kingdom Living. Because there is a way of living that is only known to the kingdom of heaven, and that's what Jesus kept preaching. So, in this series, we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, arguably the most famous piece of religious literature of all time. And Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He's not just giving his disciples a new set of rules. He is giving them a new way of life. He's giving them a new way to think. He's giving them a new way to love. And so constantly throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is contrasting worldly living with heavenly living. Even the already not yet living that we can live now in the kingdom. And so the way that Jesus did this, if you were here with us last week, we're gonna pick up where we left off last week, where Jesus said, you have heard it said, but I say to you, what's he doing? He's drawing a contrast from the, the earthly kingdoms to his heavenly kingdom where he is king. You have heard it said. Now, remember from last week when Jesus says you have heard it said, he is not saying, he's not contradicting the old law. He's not contradicting the law of Moses. He's not quoting it and then saying, you know what, the old law, it was inaccurate. It wasn't good. He's not saying that. He's not saying that the Old Testament God is different than the New Testament God. You see, the law was good because it was given to us by a good God. It was the interpretations of that law. It was the abuses of that law. It was ways that people would take God's law and they would give themselves license to withhold love when it wasn't convenient or for whoever they chose to, to take advantage of or, or when it wasn't convenient to love someone. They had all these games that they were playing with God's law and Jesus was having none of it. And here's why. Because in the kingdom of heaven, where Jesus is king, people are the priority. Possessions didn't matter. Not compared to people. Pride, prestige, power, none of that mattered to God. What mattered to God? It was people. Every time it was people that mattered to God. Above all things, above all else. And Jesus said, in my kingdom, well, you're going to love people the way that I love people because that's the way it is in the kingdom that's what kingdom living looks like love one another now I would assume that uh, if we were to say love one another we would all be in agreement that we should do that yes this means yes good this is going to be a really tough crowd in theory, we would say, yes, love one another. But here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at three very practical ways that we can manifest the love of God through us into the world as Jesus is ushering in his kingdom, even through us today. Now, practical, doable, but three very challenging ways. Jesus is challenging his disciples but very practical. The first thing that Jesus says, if you're going to love people the way that I love people, then you're going to have to develop a love for truth. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter five. We're going to pick up where we left off last week in verse 33. Jesus says, you need to have a love for truth. Look at, look at what he says. Again, 
You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Jesus is contrasting the two worlds. You have heard it said. That this is the way that it goes on in the world. This is the way that it goes on in the society. But I say to you, and Jesus is saying, let your word be your word. Let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. You don't need an oath. Here's what was happening People were using, they were playing a game with oaths. So Jesus is not prohibiting like all oaths of all vows for all time. And Jesus even answered under oath when he was challenged, when he was on trial. And he answered truthfully, even though it would mean death on a cross. And Paul, Paul too, he took oaths, made vows. So Jesus isn't prohibiting that. But here's what he is prohibiting. He's prohibiting the game that they were playing, the oath game. It went something like this. Maybe someone was striking a deal with somebody and they might swear by Jerusalem. And then at some point, maybe that deal wasn't convenient. And they would just break it off. And someone might say, well, you can't do that. You swore by Jerusalem. And they would say, exactly. I didn't swear by God. Okay, I swore by something that was less important or less divine than God himself. So therefore, no deal. Deal's off. And we still experience this today, don't we? I'm wondering if someone's just being real with us, wondering if someone's just trying to take advantage of us, maybe. In fact, I think it's probably one of the most most used words in the entire English language. Really? We say it all the time, don't we? Really? You serious, Clark? I mean, you pulling my chain? Are you, are you messing with me? No cap? Because we want to know whether someone's being real with us. We want to know whether someone's telling us the truth. Maybe you've heard of the uh, Robert... Fulgham book, it's, uh, the, the title is uh, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. You know the title. Maybe you've read the book. Well, let me tell you what I learned in kindergarten. I remember it very vividly. It was mid-morning snack. <laughs> and Tommy wanted my snack. It wasn't just any snack. It wasn't like some apple or some piece of fruit. It was a little Debbie. <laughs> Oatmeal cream pie. You know the one. Tommy wanted my snack. He said, I tell you what, you give me your snack. When we get out on the playground later at recess, I'll pick you first to be on the basketball team. Well, I happen to be having some trouble at that point in actually getting picked. So I thought this was a pretty good deal. And I said, 
You promise? He goes, I promise. And then we made the most sacred oath that kindergartners can make. I said, do you pinky promise? <laughs> and, and we pinky promised. Got out on the basketball court and Tommy acted like we had never even talked. <laughs> I said, what's the deal? I gave you my, my snack. I gave you my oatmeal cream pie. And now you're, you're acting like we didn't even talk. You didn't pick me. He said, yeah, I know. I said, well, you, you can't do that. He said, well, I, I think I just did. I said, you can't, you can't do that. We promised. We didn't just promise. We, we pinky promised. He goes, yeah, about that. Um, yeah, I know we pinky promised. But I crossed my fingers behind my back when we did. I had no idea the gaping loophole in the sacred pinky promise until that moment. Next week, some kid comes up and he goes, yeah, I promise. I'm like, show me your hands. <laughs> He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, show me your hands. He's like, why? I'm like, well, last week, Tommy. Tommy, look, I don't even want to talk about it. Just show me your hands. And we do that, right? We have all kinds of versions of this. Do you mean what you say? I mean, I, I don't want your hands in your pocket. I want to see your hands. I want to know. Are you being real with me? Are you, are you saying what you mean? Are you meaning what you say? And we have all kinds of versions of this. Finger crossing. I have to, I have to ask you, when you give your word, what does it mean? Is your word trustworthy? Because here's what we know. Communities can't thrive where words can't be trusted. Communities can't thrive if your word can't be trusted. And communities surely can't thrive where believers and Christians' word can't be trusted. So I gotta ask you, how trustworthy is your word? When you say something, does someone say, well, he said it, she said it. That's the way it's gonna be. Or do they say, well, he said it, she said it. We'll see. Jesus is calling his disciples to a higher standard. Don't play games, don't be dishonest, don't take advantage of other people. Remember, people are the priority. We're gonna love people. You're gonna love people the way that I love people. And if you wanna do that, then you need a love for the truth. But not only that, number two, you need a love for mercy. Look at what Jesus says. He says, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, well, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. And give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Once again, this is not exactly what the disciples were expecting to hear. Jesus says, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Now, they would have known what that meant, but they would have also known that that didn't mean in Jesus' day what it meant when it was originally given. You see, this was the law of retaliation. This was way beyond eye for eye, tooth for tooth. This was somebody offends you, somebody does something, and then you return it 10 times. What they were doing were they were, they were taking it out of the court and they were just 
using this law as license to withhold love. They were using this law as license to exact revenge, personal revenge. And they would just say, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Jesus says, you've heard that said, but here's what I tell you. Annie and Weston, they're uh, doing a UIL theater competition, my youngest two children, and they're doing Three Musketeers. And in the opening scene of Three Musketeers, Weston's character, D'Artagnan, is leaving home and he gets some final words of wisdom from his father and his father says, son, if a man insults you, you turn the other cheek. And if that man insults you again, you, well, you kill him. That's kind of the way it was in Jesus' day. You just, you exacted revenge, you took revenge however you saw fit. And Jesus said, that's not the way it's gonna happen in my kingdom. In fact, Jesus says, let me paint a picture for you. If someone forces you to go one mile, and by the way, this is referring to a Roman law where Roman soldiers, they could force Jewish people to carry their packs, their very heavy packs, they could force them to carry them a mile. One mile, that was the law. And Jesus says, all right, guys, here's what we're gonna do. Now, what that Roman soldier is gonna expect, he's gonna expect you to do some grumbling and complaining. And he's gonna expect when you get to that one mile marker, not a step more, you are going to throw that pack down into the dirt and you're gonna give him that stare down and you're gonna maybe give him a few choice words because you've done what you had to do and then you're just gonna walk off. But that's what he's expecting. But here's what you're gonna do. At the one mile marker, you're going to keep walking. And it is going to be the last thing that any Roman soldier expects. You, as my disciples, as living in my kingdom, you are going to go above and beyond what anybody expects. Because that's the way of my kingdom, that's the way of the king. Jesus says you're not going to exact revenge. You need a love for truth. You need a love for mercy. And then this one's the hardest one. You need to develop a love for enemies. A love for enemies. Look at what Jesus says. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son. Did you catch that? His son. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? I can't help but wonder. Matthew, a tax collector, is actually writing this down right now. He's like... What? Come on, Jesus. Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus, could you raise the bar any higher? That's all he's been doing throughout the Sermon on the Mount. He just keeps raising the bar higher and higher, and now he says, be perfect as your... Father is perfect. He's saying, we're gonna love people in my kingdom. You're gonna love people the way that I love people. He says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor, 
hate your enemy. By the way, that is not a quote from the Old Testament. So if you go looking through the Old Testament for that quote, hate your enemy, you're not going to find it. You're going to be looking for a long time. Jesus isn't quoting the law here. He's quoting the saying that they've developed out of the law. And Jesus is saying, this, this is not the way of my kingdom. This is not the way of the king. And aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that we're underneath God's standard for mercy? Because here's what scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that you and I were all once enemies of God. My sin was was an act of rebellion to the kingdom, treason to the king. And instead of giving me what I deserved, God, in his mercy, gave me what I needed. Instead of giving me what I deserved, he gave me his one and only son who died on a cross, saving me from my sin, who rose from the dead three days later, delivering me from my death. That's what he gave me. And Jesus said, you're gonna love people the way that I love people. Now, the reason we struggle to love people the way that Jesus loved people is because we have our own perspective. We have our own perspective of who is lovable and who is not. We have our own perspective on who is good and who is not, who is evil and who is not. We have our own perspective. But Jesus is saying to us and to his disciples, I want you to lay down your perspective. And I want you to love people by seeing people the way I see people. Even those you would consider your enemies. The Apostle Paul, he, he echoes this sentiment. Look at what he says. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God for the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Now don't, don't miss that. Okay, Jesus isn't saying that there will not be justice, that no one will ever take revenge. He just says, it's not yours to take. It's not your place. I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. That's a promise from him. We can release that to him. Instead, if your enemies, here's our job, instead, if your enemies are hungry, then you feed them. If they are thirsty, then you give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil. How? By doing good. By doing good. This is the way of the kingdom. This is the way of the king. And aren't you glad? Here's just a few ways, some next steps to consider this week. As we step into this identity of who Jesus has created us to be. Number one, I want to continue to encourage you, be memorizing scripture. We are memorizing the Beatitudes. This week, we are on the fourth Beatitude. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I want to encourage you to continue memorizing scripture, sharing that scripture with other people. And number two, 
this week. Keep your word. No finger crossing. No lying. No cheating. No double crossing. Be a person of your word. If you, if you made a commitment for this week, keep that commitment. And if you've broken a commitment in the past, then go to that person and say, hey, I know I told you I would be there and I flaked out on you at the last minute and that's not who I want to be and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Or maybe you want to go to someone and you want to say, hey, I didn't trust you with the truth. Well, the whole truth. I gave you a version of the truth and, and I just want to say I, I trust you with the truth. So I'm going to give you the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Be a person of your word. Maybe you want to go back to someone, maybe it's a business deal that you're in. And maybe you told them, hey, I don't remember that conversation that we had. I don't remember those numbers. Maybe you need to go back to them and say, hey, I remember that conversation. I remember the numbers. And in fact, I'm going to honor our initial agreement. That's what I'm going to do because I'm, I really want to be a person of my word. Keep your word. And when you give your word, May people say, hey, with him, with her, yes is yes and no is no. Number three, go the extra mile. I want to encourage you this week, you can have some fun with this. Surprise someone. Just surprise someone by going above and beyond what they thought you might go. I don't know, maybe, maybe your small group is meeting and someone asks you to, to bring a dish and you say, well, hey, would it be okay if I just showed up a little bit early to help you set up? Or maybe stay a little bit later and help you clean up. Uh, maybe you want to go uh, above and beyond. Maybe, maybe you've got a report that's due this week. And your boss is expecting you to do what everybody does. And that's do the, the minimum requirement and stop and be like, I'm done. But you know you. You said, hey, I, I happen to notice some problems, some challenges in this. And I just took, took the liberty just to, to present a few solutions for you. I mean, take them, leave them, whatever you need to do. But I just... Thought that might be helpful. I'm telling you, most of the people that you report to, they're going to be like, what? You did what? They're going to be thrilled. Surprise them. Create some surprise on someone's face this week. Students, in the house, you pretty much just pick up something that someone didn't ask you to. I'm telling you, there's going to be surprise on all our faces. You did What? You did what? <clears throat> Maybe you're signing your check. It says suggested gratuity, 20%. Maybe you say, I'm going to give 30%. Go above and beyond. Surprise someone. Go the extra mile. It's the way of the kingdom. Number four, pray a blessing for someone who hurt you. And I, and I know this is difficult. Someone after the first service, they said, that is not what I wanted to hear. I get it. I don't want to hear it either. I wish Jesus hadn't said that, but he did. He said, pray for your enemies. So here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to challenge you. Who comes to your mind? I mean, maybe you're thinking, well, I don't have any enemies. But who's the person who disregarded you? Who's the person who mistreated you? Who's the, the person who's making your job at work so much harder and they know it? 
Who's that person that's coming to your mind? I want to challenge you to pray. Don't just pray for them. Pray blessing for them. Look at the words of Paul. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will what? Pray that God will bless them. Don't just pray for them. Pray for their blessing. Now, you're not praying that the evil will continue or the dishonesty or whatever it is that they're doing will continue. And you're not disregarding that. You're not saying, I forget that or it doesn't matter. You're just saying, God, I'm trusting you to deal with this situation however you want to deal with it. Underneath your standards. If you can trust that God is dealing with those who persecute you, then you're released to spend all of your energy doing what Jesus encouraged us to do. You feed them. You give them something to drink. You pray for blessing. You say, well, they don't deserve that. Well, no, they probably don't. But you do. You do. Because see, when you, when you pray, when you pray a blessing on someone who's mistreated you, you are the one who receives release. You're the one who receives peace. Jesus never commanded anything of us that wasn't best for us. So, have a love for truth. Keep your word. Have a love for, for mercy, even when people don't deserve it. We didn't deserve it. And Jesus granted us mercy anyway. And develop a love for enemies. Pray blessing on them. Jesus never said this was going to be easy. But I do believe that the message of the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus believes it's doable. So let's live in that. Let's live in that identity and that strength that he's given us. Remember, we can't live the words of Jesus unless we live them in the strength of Jesus. That's our only option.